Well, friends, you can be turning in your Bible in the New Testament to the book of John, chapter 3. And we're going to continue another sermon looking at the love of God. So John chapter 3, verses 16 to 21, a passage of scripture that will be familiar to many of us. And um, I pray and trust that he'll take this truth deeper in each of our hearts as we look at it this morning. So John 3, 16 to 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I love cards. I just love words of affirmation, words that express the heart of a person. When I get a card, like just recently was our anniversary, and Dane had a card sitting out for me on the dining room table, on the kitchen counter actually, um, when I came out the next morning. And to my wife, my partner, my friend. Oh, it already had me before I even opened the inside of it. I just love when um, my kids have written cards to me, maybe for my birthday, and they say sweet things in them. I stick them in my nightstand. I don't throw them away. I keep those cards. When I um, look back at cards that um, people that I love that have passed on, and I look in handwriting, And there's my mom, and there's a note from my dad expressing their love. And my heart just melts all over again. I feel the same way when we pick up God's word. And when we read these words of love and affirmation, that he loved us so much that he sent his son to lay down his very life for us, What love, what mercy, what goodness that he would do this great gift for us. I just get undone. It 
it's it's just as fresh it's just as meaningful maybe deeper like it just seems to go deeper and deeper just you just when you get up and testify it's like oh i am a sinner you're a sinner we're all in need of grace and god loved us so much and his son agreed and he loved us so much that he came and laid down his very life for us. I love, I thought about the song, um, the old, old story of Jesus and his love. This passage that we look at this morning is a passage telling us very clearly he's motivated by love. And Jesus' brother, John, wrote this passage of scripture And he lays it out in contrast. He includes several contrasts in this message, this little passage of his book. And we see a clear message along with a warning and some guidance. And so I want to look at these contrasts that he includes. He talks about love and condemnation. God so loved the world. His motivation was love. And he uses the word agape here, unconditional love, to love dearly. He loves dearly. Now, this word condemnation is the word krino in Greek, and it means to put on trial, to judge and punish. And there will be a day that comes when Jesus returns and he comes to judge. Revelation 19.11 tells us this. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he, he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in his righteousness, he doth judge and make war. But he doesn't come to judge and condemn until first he came to offer forgiveness out of his love. And we're going to look at this connection between God's love and um, judgment in a future sermon. But today I just want you to see he's motivated. Be very clear. Jesus came because of love. Now he also contrasts holiness and wickedness. So goodness, righteousness versus sinfulness, evil. He also contrasts light and dark. And you'll find in scripture that they often reference things that are just really um, typical, like things in our world that we can relate to. So we like to watch this um, little video clips called uh, Bomb Outdoors. I don't know if any of you have ever watched. It's it's, um, like little clips of the guy that goes camping. But um, over and over, he starts a fire well why do you why do people start a fire when they're out in the woods in the wild at night um they start a fire because there's protection you know it keeps off the wild critters when you've got a fire going it also helps you see so that you don't trip over things it also gives you warmth and so god in his love is light he's life he's protection He's warmth. He helps us to be able to see clearly. And in contrast to this is dark. And dark often represents death and being vulnerable and being in a place where you can't see and a place that's cold. 
Another contrast we see is the, the length of the extent of what God did. Like he, he, Jesus came down. He was in glory and perfection. And he comes to a dark, broken, cold world. He comes all the way down to meet us in our great need to be saved. And then there's this little movement that he invites us to take from dark to light, from being in bondage to being in freedom. And that little movement is placing our trust in Jesus Christ. The clear message is Jesus came to earth to save people who were perishing. He was motivated by love, and he comes to save us from evil and the coldness of being separated from God's love forever. The warning is that people resist coming to Jesus and being saved. He gives two reasons for this in our text. The first is verse 19. People love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Why do they want to stay in darkness? Because they're hoping not to get found out because they're guilty. They know their deeds are evil, and they're hoping to keep it hidden in the dark. The second reason that he gives is um, in verse 20. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. And so, again, it's fear of judgment. They didn't understand that to God there is no darkness. He can see everything. He sees in the dark. He sees in the light. He knew it all. And out of love for broken, sinful people, he sent his son. We might ask the question, What if people keep resisting and don't believe and put their faith in Jesus? And those that don't believe and come into his light, Scripture says, are already condemned. They are already facing the death sentence. They're guilty even as we all were before our sins were forgiven if we've placed our faith in Jesus. They're facing a death sentence that can never be changed. There can never be pardoned once Jesus returns. The clear guidance is place your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, how do we get saved? How do we have eternal life? Verse 18 tells us whoever believes in him is not condemned. So we're saved by placing our faith and confidence in Jesus. Romans 10.10 tells us that believing in Jesus is a matter of both our heart and our mouth. So it says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So God gives us a new heart, and he gives us his spirit. All right. Ezekiel eleven nineteen says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. So God does this for us by the work of his spirit. And then out of our mouths, we're supposed to speak of it. 
We speak of our faith in Jesus, and Jesus said in Matthew 12:34 that the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. And so if we've had a heart transplant, if God's taken that heart of stone and put a heart of flesh, then it makes sense it's going to happen because our heart is full of this Holy Spirit that we're going to speak of him and what he's done for us. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 explains being saved this way, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We can't earn it. We don't deserve being saved. It's all about God and his love. And each one of you today that's sitting in this room is hearing this good news and this offer of God's love, sending Jesus. God's great desire is to save humanity, to save you, to save me, to save our neighbors, to save our friends, to save our loved family members, to save those in Russia and those in Ukraine, those in South America and North America and every other continent. There are people he wants to save. Why does he do it? Because of love? Yes? Are you, are you getting the message? All right. <laughs> There's an enemy, Satan, and he would love to keep the world deceived because he hates. And he wants to keep them in bondage and darkness and hiddenness because he tells them that God sent Jesus to condemn them. And the truth is, he sent to save. But we each have a choice. God offers us, but then there's a call and response. God calls us, and then we need to respond. It's not like Facebook at an event where you can say, I may be interested, undecided, maybe yes, I'm saved, maybe no, I'm not saved. Like, this is not a maybe situation. You're one or the other. Do you know? Are you sure? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? I want to tell you a story. Um, Years ago, Dane and I got invited to um, move out to Arizona and plant a church by one of um, our colleagues, Rod Hugan. And um, he just retired after 25 years of ministry. And so he was elaborating on 25 highlights from 25 years in ministry. And he said one of those highlights was a man named Ron, who was a confirmed atheist, that decided to come to his church because he was looking for a moral community. And after several months, he professed his faith in Jesus Christ and was baptized. That was a highlight because what he experienced when he came into the church, he heard about the love of God. He heard about what Jesus did. He experienced a loving community. He experienced the joy and the peace and the morality that he was looking for. He really, I think that atheists, they say there is no God And yet, if there is no God, then there is no moral absolute either. And so he was searching for something that really doesn't make sense, except that it was planted in him because he's an image bearer of God, too. 
And he was looking for morality. He was looking for a people that wouldn't be pulling out knives and stabbing each other or, you know, the things that we just open up the news every day and we are bombarded with a world of hate and evil and wickedness. The world is looking for a place that embodies the love of Jesus. And this man, Ron, found it and found Jesus because the church was there embodying the love of God and sharing the good news and accepting people where they're at and helping to bring them along. I want to tell you another story. Yesterday, some of you know this, some of you don't, but Dane for a number of years has been um, rehabbing and remodeling a little cabin up um, in Baldwin. And so anyway, so we have this little cabin and we were up there yesterday and um, Dane had been talking to me because I look at it as a retreat place where I just try to like wall off and be with the Lord and pray and, um, you know, solitude, silence, that kind of thing. And Dane all week long works with machines. And so he's really eager to connect with all the neighbors and, you know, make relationships and all. And so you can imagine there's sometimes a little bit of like, contrasting values of how we spend our time. Well, anyway, so it made me think again about, like, every day, every day I'm surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. You know, God, what do you have for today? So yesterday I was walking, and um, we knew that one of our neighbors up there had been in the hospital, and his garage door was open, and there he was. So I went up to talk to him, and I'm like, hey, how are you doing? And um, I heard you've been in the hospital. We've been praying for you. And anyway, so he starts to share that his um, platelets, he, he had had a situation where his blood vessels were starting to rupture. And so he um, went and called his doctor, and his doctor said, go get some blood work. And so then he and his wife, like, did shopping, and they went out to eat. They got home, and a police pulls in their driveway and says, you have to get to the nearest um, medical facility immediately. He didn't know what was wrong with him. He just, the police came to tell him to get to a medical facility. And um, he had no platelets. And um, also his electrolytes were off. And he spent a week in the hospital, and his heart is having problems. And so he's telling me all this. And I'm like, wow, I'm so sorry you've been going through this. I'm glad that you're doing better. Yeah, I have to go back to the hospital. You know, got to have more procedures. I've got to get more checked out in November. And anyway, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, we've been praying for you. We'll keep praying for you. And um, then I go to um, my little cabin, and I heat up some soup for my lunch. And I felt like the Lord said, Gina, you didn't ask him if he has peace, you know, because he, he said, I could die. You know, they told me, don't use any, you know, tools, you know, don't fall, don't get hurt, you know, right now. And um, I felt like the Lord just said, you need to go back and ask him if he knows me and if, he's, if he would die, if he knows where he's going. Okay, Lord. Um, so anyway, I finish my soup, say a prayer. I go back over, the garage door's down, everything's closed up. And I'm like, give me strength. Because um, just as my background, my parents told me 
stranger danger, like never talk to a stranger, never go to somebody's house unless you've made a, a scheduled appointment and they've invited you over and they know you're coming. So those things kind of, you know, shape how you feel about knocking on people's doors randomly. But anyway, so I knock on the door because I'm so sure the Lord told me to go. So I knock on the door. And anyway, and he comes, and he had been out with a jacket, so he's standing there in a T-shirt. And um, he's a big old guy, big old country guy. And anyway, and um, I, I said, hey, I, um, I came to say I'm sorry. I need to apologize. And he says, for what? And I said, well, if you had electrical problems, and you told an electrician all about your problems, and they said, oh, man, that's bad. I hope everything works out for you and leaves. That wouldn't be very kind. And he's looking at me. <laughs> and I said, and if you had plumbing problems and you told the plumber all about the plumbing problems you were having, and he says, oh, I hope that, you know, gets better and left, that wouldn't be a very good friend either. And I said, you're facing death. I said, you know, you told me you could die. And I said, and I'm a Christian, and I didn't ask you, do you know where you're going when that time comes? Back then I'm sobbing, and I'm like, God loves you so much, and I just wonder, do you know Jesus? And he says, Yes, I know Jesus. And I said, do you know and place your whole trust in him that it's not about good works? He goes, yeah, sometimes I cuss. And I go, yeah. And I said, but do you know that it's only by the blood of Jesus that he's going to let you into his eternal heaven with him? And anyway, and he says, I've been a Christian for a long time. I pray every morning. He said, I have a Bible with my name in it. And he goes, and I couldn't be married to Tammy, whose mother was a pastor, and I've been married to her for 35 years. He goes, I I know the Lord. And and I'm like, I'm so glad that you do, because I just felt like I needed to make sure. And he goes, thank you so much, Sheena. And then we're hugging, and I'm sobbing on his shoulder. And I said, Dana, I just love you. And God loves you, and we just wanted to make sure. You know, maybe God was so gracious to me because if I would have resisted that urge to go and something happened to him, I'd never have the peace of mind that he knew. He knew where he was going. But all of our neighbors, our friends, we've got the opportunity. We've got this wonderful news that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And I was so grateful to have good news and that my neighbor knows that good news. That good news is so good, and he talks about how that not only is it good news to move into the light and to not fear condemnation, but, you know, that's not just a one-and-done thing. I mean, it is coming into and having assurance of salvation, but then we're called to live in the light. And this past week, I was scrolling through Facebook one evening, and an acquaintance of mine posted, one month sober. 
And I was like, wow. And then she described, and friends, she's a worship leader here in town. She knows Jesus. She loves the Lord. But she's had a rough life, and she's had things, a lot of stress. She's got many kids and a lot of things that have happened in her life. And she said, I've tried to rationalize this for many years. She said, but just to take the edge off a little bit, I just have a drink. And then to just, you know, this or that, money's tight, and I just drink a little more. And she said, a month ago, I realized I can't live this way anymore. I need Jesus to help me. And I thought, you know, this this passage of Scripture, that there we don't need to fear coming into the light. He already knows. He knows it when we're saved. And he knows it when we're living in him. If we're not making him Lord, if we're not turning to him in those points in our lives that are hard, that are difficult, I feel like this is an invitation for us, again, to just think, God so loved that he sent Jesus to help us every day and every moment of our lives. I don't know about you, but this season, this last three years, maybe, I I don't know, I'm kind of losing track of time of how long it's been, maybe two years. It's just been kind of a blur, hasn't it? Like there's just been so much going on and things seem to be accelerating in the world. And I just want to invite us, before we partake of the table, to just spend a few moments in silence and just invite the Holy Spirit to show us, is there any way that maybe today, afresh, that we need to confess our faith in Jesus and maybe repent of something that we've been turning towards, doing? It may not be drinking, but it may. It might be cheating. It might be lying. It might be gossiping. It might be being snarky and not gentle and loving and kind. He invites us to live in the light because he knows it all. And Jesus came to lay down his very life and his blood to cover over every sin so that we don't have to fear condemnation or shame, but we can bring things to the light Why? So that we can confess, we can repent, we can turn to him, we can have that restored closeness of receiving his love and not feeling walking in shame and embarrassment, but really fragile and vulnerable. And so I'm just going to invite us to just um, close our eyes. And um, Lord, I just thank you for your great love. Lord, I thank you that you save, that you heal, that you deliver. We sang of your deliverance this morning. And Lord, I pray that right now that your Holy Spirit would just be searching our hearts to see if there's any way that we haven't been living fully in your love and turning to anything else. Lord, your word says if 
we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, Lord, for any sins that have just been confessed to you in the privacy of our hearts, Lord, I ask now that we each would receive your forgiveness and that we'd also do courageous things. If we need support in something, Lord, I just pray that you would help um, those of us that need support to turn away and keep turning away from something, Lord. I just pray that you would um, provide that support, whether it would be through prayer partners afterwards, through um, a meeting with our care elders, a conversation with Pastor Jalisa or other pastors or leaders, um, Lord, or members. Lord, we all are to encourage each other in you. Lord, I pray that as we get ready to partake of communion, that you would just strengthen us in your love and that we would be ready to share that good news with all those that you would give us to share. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.